This episode is sponsored by SaneBox, helping you reach your goal of inbox zero and decluttering both your email and your life. Visit sanebox.com slash boss and clean up your inbox today. We'll tell you more about the benefits of SaneBox during the break. Enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to the Invest Like a Boss podcast. I'm Sam Marks. And I'm Johnny FD. We're self-made entrepreneurs who invest our own money and use modern technology to invest like a boss. Join us each week for exclusive interviews with our network of modern investors, business owners, and multimillionaires to discover new ways to invest our hard-earned cash. Hey guys, it's Johnny and welcome to episode 48 of the Invest Like a Boss podcast. Back here, Sam Marks. Hey Johnny, welcome back. Man, we haven't done an episode together in a long time, so I'm looking forward to it. I'm really excited because there's so much has happened since then uh, and... Let's just kind of jump straight into it. Where, where are you right now? I just arrived from Austin. I was in Austin, Texas for a week, and I'm now in a little place that's kind of wedged in between the state of Georgia and South Carolina near Clemson University. Uh, we built a, my, my family built a house, a really small little house on a lake here about five years ago, and we just got it set up with internet. And dude, it's awesome. There's zero distractions. It's it's in this little uh, gated golf course community and it's it's all old people and I just love old people. I've just found that they're just so nice to be around. So I'm really enjoying it. <laughs> Where are you? <laughs> oh, I love that. I mean, well, first off, why am I not with you? Why didn't I get an invite out there? Well, dude, I invite you everywhere I am, but you're always uh you're always in in this the southeast tropics uh and never want to not ever want to venture over here, but dude, you I'm telling you, if you came here, it's it's so fun because it's all these like 65 year old kind of like retired business people and all they do all day is play golf and go to happy hour but they're not you know a lot of the people we hang out with they kind of get annoying after a while like everyone's just like chit chat chit chat on their phones and stuff these people don't even have phones like they're so old school it's 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 a total throwback so it's really fun that's so funny yeah i, I would definitely love to check that out next time i'm in town uh I'm yeah. su- i was supposed to be in either poland or Bankso, bulgaria right now to be skiing but mm-hmm. then i realized i don't like the cold so i decided to stay another month in bali <laughs> well, dude, you know when you're in ski country, it's like a different type of cold. It's not like you're in New York City in the middle of winter type of cold. It's like you're you're there for a purpose and you're skiing and it's it doesn't feel cold. It feels like vacation. And I, I definitely want to take a vacation to and learn how to ski somewhere, but I don't think I want to go for two months. I, I think I'm going to – I should probably test it out for a week or two first uh, mm-hmm. and then have, a, have an escape. So I've been learning how to surf. So every other day, I've been going paddling out. We're trying to paddle out, trying to stand up, trying to stay up. And Bali is awesome for that. It's a terrible place to try to build a business. We'll try to take mm-hmm. your business to the next level. But it's a great place to come just do yoga and surf and just eat some good food and chill out for a while. Yeah, I've heard mixed reviews on it for people that have stayed any longer than, say, three weeks or a month. So I wanted to get your opinion on what it's like to be there and actually have to work and maintain your business and also try to – you know, live a lifestyle as well. So Ubud is a little bit better. Uh, I'm in Chengdu right now, which is kind of like the beach town. If you, the only reason why you would come to Chengdu is you want to surf and you want to be by the beach. Uh, mm-hmm. Ubud is like the Chiang Mai of Bali. Uh, it's inland. But the nice thing is it's, it's only just a little bit over an hour, maybe like an hour and 15 minutes away from the beaches. So most people I know are based in Ubud where they have two really good co-working spaces. They have, uh, the original, which is Hubud, and the new one, Outpost, and they're both good. Yeah. Great community, great yoga, amazing food, um, okay in, in infrastructure. You know, it's it's like what Thailand was ten years ago, but 
now they finally have good internet, so you could base yourself out of there. So what was your, your last quarter of travel? I know you spent time in Chiang Mai and Bali. Was that it or were you at other places? I think that was it. I think uh, I yeah, I, I think I was just kind of just hanging out. I went, I think I went to Taiwan uh, for a wedding, but aside from that, it was basically just Chiang Mai and Bali. That's good. Well, you seem kind of settled and and in a groove, so yeah. And I think I'm gonna travel a little bit more now that I am officially retired. <laughs> but for the last couple of months, <laughs> well, I was yeah, I was just kind of just it, you know wrapping things up. It's summertime. It's time to head to Europe, and that's when uh, we put the backpacks on and get in those trains and and run to some crazy places again. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to meeting you up in uh, in Europe summer, maybe after you finish your Ireland walk. You know it, buddy. That'll be the plan. <laughs> That'll be the plan. All right. But let's kind of jump uh, into kind of the updates for investments, um, you know, what, what we've been up to, what we've invested in, in new. And then mm-hmm. maybe we can quickly talk about um, – kind of how I retired, but I think people want a whole episode on it. There's been a lot of questions in the Boss Lounge about it. So if you guys are interested, if you have any questions, join the Boss Lounge on Facebook. You can either just look for the Boss Lounge on uh, as a Facebook group or go to investlikeaboss.com, click on bonus and there's instructions there. And Sam and I are both, I don't know, I guess we're both early retired, like in our early 30s. Uh, Sam, you retired when you were late 20s, right? Yeah, I mean, it depends how you define retirement, right? I, mean, I don't think I'll ever not want to work. It's what I enjoy doing every single morning and every, every single day. But, uh, but I think in a financial sense of having to work to survive, uh, yeah, retired at 28, I guess. Yeah, so I'm retired at 35. So chasing your coattails a bit, a little bit behind you. But I think in that episode we can talk about what actually retirement is, why we still, you know do projects that we enjoy doing, even though mm-hmm. I don't really consider this work. Like I'll always do the podcast because I like doing it. Uh, in fact, this is our first month that this podcast has actually been not losing money. So uh, big thanks to our sponsors uh, for making that happen. But it's, it's one of those things where I think investing and doing hobbies that happen to make money, whether it's podcasting or blogging, will always be part of my life because I I like doing it. Uh, I like, you know, for example, I like I really like making YouTube videos about my travels, and I don't make really any money from that at all. Maybe I make a hundred dollars a month from my YouTube channel as from ads, but mm-hmm. I would do that. You know, it, it, I don't do that for the money. I would do that any like regardless. And if in fact, if I if YouTube didn't exist and we had to pay to host our video submerged to be able to share it online, I would do that. Yeah, I think a good definition of retirement is getting to a place where you work on things that you only want to work on. So you don't have to work to survive. You don't have to work to put food on your plate. You work to be productive and to build something that's meaningful to you. And that doesn't have to be a tech business. It doesn't have to be a drop shipping store. It doesn't have to be a podcast. It could be building, you know, homes for people in need, or it could be, you know, spreading some type of, of uh, positive information around the world in a nonprofit sense. It could be anything, but it's just a matter of getting to a place where you can work. I think humans kind of t- two purposes of man and when I say man, I mean humans on earth is to love and to work. And and the people that I know that are happiest late in life have both of those elements, even if they're 90. You know, there's a lot of people that we're talking to on this podcast. Some of the people I'm trying to get onto this onto the show as guests, they're in their 90s and they're still working every single day because they're just passionate and they love they love working and being productive. So I think that's kind of a kind of where, you know, retirement is for a lot of people. 
Yeah, I've, I've heard that quote somewhere where it says, to be happy in life, you just need, I think, um, someone to love, someone that loves you, and something to do. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, man. It does make a lot of sense. And I think this is also a really good time to point out because we have so many people coming into the podcast on for the first time listening to recent episodes. It's a good time to point out that Johnny and I are not financial advisors. We don't pretend to be. And this podcast is really just an exploration of our quest as investors, finding new ways to invest our hard-earned money. And also just really learning a lot alongside of everybody else. A lot of times we have these episodes and after the episodes, we'll have critique in the boss lounge. We'll have uh, kind of dialogue in the boss lounge about the episodes. And we're really just learning alongside of everybody else. So that's just a quick disclaimer for anybody that is coming into the episodes recently and new to Invest Like a Boss. What's actually funny is pretty often, at least once a week, uh, we get questions directed towards us specifically in the boss lounge asking mm-hmm. us for financial advice. And every single time, it's not us answering it, but it's either <laughs> someone we've had on the show previously, so a previous guest that has joined the boss mm-hmm. lounge, or just another listener, another member that is just you know way more educated about these things than us, answering the questions in depth. And then it's just us replying to it saying, thanks for answering that. Yeah, I always just try to defer to other people for sure. And we just learn when we get those answers as well. Yeah, definitely. And that is my, you know, my goal for this podcast is to never become an expert. I obviously want to get better and, and just be more, sa- you know, financially savvy, mainly to help myself and my own investing um, and then be able to share kind of ups and downs and what, what has worked, and what hasn't. Uh, but uh-huh. I don't think I would ever, 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 you know, want to become the expert. So if I ever start acting that way or start sounding that way, send me a private message and just be like, hey, Johnny, like, you know, we listen yeah. to episode 48. Yeah, get back to our cores for sure. Uh, we have a guest coming on. And we'll talk about this later in the episode. We have a guest coming on, Phil Town. He's a hedge fund manager. He's an awesome guy. He also has a podcast called Invested. I've been listening to some of his material uh, and everything's based on Rule number one of investing is don't lose money. And he kind of follows and uh, practices a lot of Buffett's teaching. And I think that is a big goal for me going forward. And what I want to be a goal for the podcast for a lot of the listeners is to not lose money in investing. Um, So that's, that's something that I'm putting a lot more practice into this year going forward because over the last 10 years, I've lost, I've not lost so much money in terms of overall. Uh, dollar amounts. But on so many different occasions, I've lost money just through doing really stupid stuff and, and not having an experience. So I want that to be a goal for us going forward. And also for a lot of the listeners is through this podcast to get educated enough to not make those silly mistakes. Yeah. And, you know, and, or even just kind of finding things that we should be doing with our money instead of kind of what we get defaulted on. Because I don't think most yeah. people are losing money investing in mutual funds, but they are losing the potential of making a lot of money in something like an index fund that will, you know, that often outperforms the actual mutual fund or doesn't have all the fees. So these are the things that, you know, I really focus on isn't necessarily, you know, trying to find that hot uh, investment that gives me more than 10% returns, even though that would be nice, but it's really Mm -hmm. just to try to get 10% returns because I, I, you know, without being greedy, I, I think that's a pretty realistic goal to have. Yeah. And you also take so much of the risk in your personal businesses and endeavors. And maybe that's a good launch point kind of for this episode is uh, two weeks ago, we put together 
our pie charts of our asset allocations. And I think because so many, so many of the things that we talk about on this podcast are risky because a lot of these things are interested, interesting what people want to hear about. People think that we're very, very risky in our investments. But actually, when I was looking at our pie charts on our asset allocations, I mean, we're pretty conservative, I would say, by most people's opinions, don't you think? Yeah, definitely. So if you guys want to take a look at it, uh, you know, pull up the show notes, go to investlikeaboss.com and click on episode 48. Uh, there'll be a screenshot of each one there. Um, but yeah, let's kind of go over it with for everyone because I, I do think that you're, you're right where a lot of people just assume, you know, all of our money is in, you know, mm. like, you know, Forex <laughs> or into, into startups. Uh, but in reality, let's take a look. Hey bosses, I have a question for you. How many emails do you have in your inbox right now? Hundreds? Thousands? It doesn't matter if they're read or unread. If they're in your box, it's cluttering your mind, life, and preventing you from the focus you need to plan for your financial future. SaneBox helps you achieve Inbox Zero by transforming insane amounts of messages into something that actually makes sense. Aside from removing all the junk so you can focus on messages that actually matter, there's a great feature called Sane Black Hole. Just move an email into that folder and you will never hear from that sender again. But my favorite feature has to be Sane No Reply, which shows you all the sent mail that you're still waiting for a reply on to follow up. Visit SaneBox.com slash boss today and get $25 in free credit and a two-week trial. So Sam, you have 28% of your money in stocks, bonds, and funds. Is that mo- right. is most of that in index funds or in individual stocks? It's a mix. It's um, I would say the majority of that is in Vanguard directly in, in the index funds. And some of those are bond funds that I've selected. Uh, about 30% of that total is in Wealthfront which has actually been outperforming my Vanguard by a pretty significant margin. And then a, about a third of that is in E-Trade, which is much more just me picking stocks, uh, kind of select funds here and there. And that has not been performing that well. But I kind of maintain the three of those, not necessarily to diversify more, because if I did, I would probably just put everything in Vanguard and and just diversify it more within Vanguard. I'm just kind of doing that just more as as benchmarking and, and seeing how the three kind of compare. Okay. Yeah. And, and that's definitely interesting that, that you do that. And I'm glad you're doing that because that's definitely not something I want to do. Yeah. No, I'll probably consolidate in the future, but it's kind of fun for now. All right. So it looks like my... I, I'm taking a look at, at mine. Um, I have 45% of my, I guess, my net worth in stocks, mm-hmm. bonds, and funds. And most of that is in index funds. So I'm kind of just logging in right now to my, my Vanguard account. Um, the only actual stocks I have, the individual stocks, I literally have one individual stock and that's just Facebook. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what got me into investing. I wrote about it, I think, you know, maybe two or three years ago, um, on my blog, Johnny FD, you can pull up the old article, but basically, I wrote an article saying, Hey, I just bought $10,000 worth of Facebook stocks. And to me at the time, that was a third of my net worth. And it was a big deal. And it was, I bought in at, I think 70 something and it started dropping and, and I freaked out and I was going to sell. Uh, but luckily I had mentors. I had just even readers on my blogs just say, no, don't sell, buy more. So I bought more at 59. They bought more at 55. And now it is worth $142 a share. So yes. even though that 10 grand is now worth 27,000, which is a huge mm-hmm. gain, I know that that was a gamble. That was a very, you know, 
risky gamble. And knowing that, I don't buy any other individual stocks at all, even though sometimes I'm tempted to. Are you logged in Vanguard right now? I am logged in right okay. now, sir. Don't take a look at something because I just noticed this in mine. It's pretty cool. Uh, if you click on my account, uh, balances and holdings is under the my account tab. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then second tab over, balances over time. Okay. Okay. And then you see all the way to the right, there's chart table tabs. Yeah. Click on table. Okay. Cl- click on table. So what I noticed is if you look at the center column, which is income returns, uh-huh. it looks like at the end of every quarter, you get a much bigger income return. Um, and so ending in March, take a look at your income return and see if that Ooh. was much higher than, than uh, yeah, February yeah. and January. So I think what that is, is a lot of funds pay out quarterly. Uh, versus mm-hmm. some of them pay out monthly. So, for example, in January and February, I made $36 and $33 in income returns. But in mm-hmm. March, I made $615 in income returns. Dang. So, I mean, it's yeah, a huge difference. So, something to look forward to at the end of every quarter. Yeah, 100%. That, that's amazing. I actually needed to add this to my income report because uh, I completely uh, forgot about that. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. And what about just to, just while you're on that page, look at the end of the year, de- uh, December 2016. Was that even higher? Uh, December 2016 was $774. So like, what, higher, like yeah. almost 20% higher than, than mm-hmm. that, which is great. Yeah. So that's like the end of the year. So I guess we just have that to look forward to every quarter. I, I just noticed that for the first time this month and I looked at it, I'm like, wow, that's, that's pretty significant. So, um, yeah, just something was, to consider. What was interesting is that this is the first month, um, I guess, in a while that the market gain had uh, actually lost money in, I guess, the 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 total worth of my my index funds. Mm-hmm. I think the market was down a little bit. Um, so instead of it, you know, kind of being up every single month, which is nice, uh, it is down five hundred bucks this month. But it's not a big deal because. I'm not selling. Uh, you know, all my index funds are are basically buy and hold. I buy mm-hmm. more when it's when it's low. I I put in three thousand dollars a month every month, no matter where it's at, if it's up or down, and if it you know if it's up, great. If it if it's not, you know, oh well. Because mm-hmm. by the time I actually need to sell any of this, hopefully, you know, it'll just it'll be up. Just you know, given time has passed. Yeah. So any of the listeners listening to this, Johnny and I essentially have two different strategies because Johnny's adding to his account every single month. So in a sense, he's dollar cost averaging every single month. Whereas me, I just, I was, I took a, a lump sum a couple years ago, actually when I, more when I folded uh, my UBS account, that's another story, which we talked about. Uh, so I put in a lump sum. So I'm not adding to this every single month. The only way I'm dollar cost averaging is if any dividends are being spun off from this, I'm reinvesting that straight back into the funds. But I would say your approach, Johnny, is much more common than my approach. Um, by And I think that's that's a better approach. My approach is just a little bit more unique because of the situation I was in. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think that's what's, what's cool about, you know, the two of us being able to share our, our stories and our journeys is I'm basically trying to play catch up to you, <laughs> to your, to your net worth. And I think a lot of people, you know, uh, that have normal jobs or are entrepreneurs and have, you know, extra money coming in, you know, it, that's like their goal is to, is to like for me, it's to, to get a million in net worth. And mm. I haven't calculated how long it would take at this current rate, but 
I figure if I just keep putting money in, in, into it, it's eventually gonna gonna get closer. Well, you know what's funny? I was remembering when we started this podcast, you were at I think even on the first or second episode, you said what you were at, and I think it was like two forty. Yeah, that it could have been. Yeah, so uh, two forty, and now I you when you sent me all of your your investments and your basically your your total net worth for after for where we are right now for this pie chart, I think you're at like five. 40 or 550. So that's just in, you know, the better half of, of a year, but that's, that's pretty incredible. Yeah. And that was mainly because I, I, I've sold, I don't remember exactly when that first one was, but I sold both of my dropshipping stores now. So that was close to a hundred grand. And that was a, mm-hmm. a big, a big chunk of that, uh, of that money. Yeah. Well, you're on the right way, my man on the right way. We'll see where we're at, at episode a hundred. So what is your next biggest chunk in your asset allocation? Uh, so next it would actually just be cash. So 38% of my money is in cash, uh, which I haven't taken a look exactly how much it is, but it's, it's more than a hundred grand. I think it's like close to 200 grand is just in cash. And the reason for that is number one, I haven't paid taxes yet this year. Um, I'm, I'm still kind of working <laughs> that out. So, so I don't know how much I'm actually going to owe, especially with the sale of the stores. Um, and then second, is I'm kind of saving it for a rainy day, seeing what's going to be on sale if the economy does go into recession or or, or drop mm-hmm. in the next couple of years. Yeah, I think that's smart. Oh man, those taxes at the end of the year for anyone who is what do, what do we call it? What are we? Ten ninety nines or yeah. Basically, we don't pay tax until the end of the year, and it can always end up being a big number uh, if you don't stay on top of it and don't put money aside for it. Yeah. So what I might be doing is. I need to get back on my CPA um, on this because I know tax season is is due in literally ten days. But um, I want to see how much I I owe, and then if it makes sense for me to dump a bunch of money into my SEP IRA uh, right before, like, and you know, mm-hmm. basically you you can you can I didn't realize this, but you can put money into last year's SEP IRA even yeah. now. So that might be a kind of a money saving tip for for a lot of people if you owe a lot of taxes. Good tip. Yeah, David Steiner is a good, good reference for that. He's always in Boss Lounge giving his advice. Um, we need to look into that more of that stuff because I think that's a really good tax-saving vehicle. Joshua Sharp as well. Good one in the Boss Lounge. Yeah, Shout big, out. Sh- big shouts both to to Josh and, and Dave and also everyone else who's taking the time to answer people's questions in the Boss Lounge. You guys are you know, like you guys are the bosses. So thanks for that. Uh, I know Dave is always on my case for not having my SEP IRA in Vanguard because I, mm-hmm. I can potentially make more money there. And, but the reason why I have my SEP IRA set up with Wealthfront isn't because I necessarily want, you know, to have my, my money more diversified with bonds and things like that, but because Wealthfront is a new kind of updated app that lets me do everything online very, very easily. And with my lifestyle where I'm always traveling, I'm never in the US, it is such a pain in the ass to try to set up an account or add money with Vanguard um, for SEP IRA because you have to mail things back and forth. And I'd rather potentially, I don't want to say lose money, but you know, potentially not have uh, as much of an upside with my Wellphone account, but just have it be easier. Um, (laughs) You know, and I guess, you know, with that, there's also going to be a little bit of upside with, you know, maybe, you know, by by, having them force me to have some bonds and things like that, you know, maybe there's a little bit more of the, you know, the protecting the downside as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm very happy with Wellfront. I know there's a lot of do it yourself investors that 
will will dog us for paying the 25 basis points a year management fee of Wealthfront. Dude, my Wealthfront is smashing my other accounts. It's it's they've been kind of going up and you know swinging. Like one time, my Vanguard account will be up, and then my Wealthfront account will be up. My van, my Wealthfront account is up like 27 percent since I started it a year ago. It's wow, it's crazy. My, that my is Vanguard insane. Is, yeah, my Vanguard is, you know, my Vanguard is okay, but it's it's maybe half of that. So I don't know really what happened, um, but just in the last, really the last two months, Van- Wealthfront's just totally dist- been been on, you know, on fire. So, you know, ask me again in three months, you never know what what'll be happening. But so far, I've been really happy with it. So let's take a look. Um, I mean, it's confusing because my all time uh, account history with with Wealthfront looks like it's up 14% money weighted and 12% time weighted but I don't actually understand how that uh, how that works because if I look at 2017 it's up by 5.89% yeah. if I look at 2016 it's up by 6.48% and I think that's when I started it so are they are they calculating in the money I've added to my account as part of no. my return or how does that like how, like what does that mean Honestly, I think those numbers are phony baloney. Uh, we have Adam coming on the show. Actually, the end of next week, he's the CEO of Wealthfront. We'll definitely talk to him about that. There is a way to see your net deposits in Wealthfront. And then you just compare that to what your account value is. And that's like your real returns. These money-weighted and time-weighted returns, every time I've looked at it, they're they're much higher than my actual real returns. Uh, I don't know if that always works out to be the case. Or if that's just how it's working out on my, in my particular account, but I, I feel like those numbers are there to make it look a lot prettier than it is. Yeah, and it's annoying to me to be honest. I mean, I think, you know, it's I understand why they do it because they they want people to be excited about their accounts, and you know, if it's up, it's up, right? We should be happy with that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and I, and I guess what I should do is just look at like if I just look at let's say my 2016 returns, and it says. Six point four eight percent. That's probably real, you know. Um, versus, and you know, if I if I look at two thousand seventeen, it's at five point eight seven percent. That's probably real, but mm-hmm. it's it's so confusing that you know the all time that they even have an all time button because I know for sure my count is not up by fourteen point one three percent. Right. In in any case. Yeah, I remember I looked up the definitions of those terms before and even having the terms right in front of my face and looking at them side by side i was still kind of confused so they're funny numbers if anyone is listening has any questions for wealthfront about their accounts about um how it works let us know in the boss lounge i am compiling a list of listener questions that i want to ask adam when he comes on the show next week so we'll be glad to fit your questions in if you have any yeah and you know I mean, you know, we, we hate on it sometimes, but obviously we both like the service enough to be customers and, and, you know, and we have our money in there. I have $34,000, uh, in Wealthfront right now, and I'm probably gonna put more mm-hmm. in to my SEP IRA through them. So obviously I, I do like their service. Um, but I just kind of wish it was a bit more transparent. Yeah. I'm, honestly, I've never, I've never really had anything negative to say. That's probably because my account's been up since I've had it. Um, I would say, yeah, the transparency on those two things. But for me, that's a relatively small detail as long as my account's pretty in green. Um, but I've been happy with the service so far. It's been outperforming 
me doing it myself, both in my E-Trade and Vanguard. But I hope in time with enough knowledge on this podcast that I can make my Vanguard and my E-Trade outperform my wealth front. Okay. Let's, <laughs> let's see about that. So next up, we have REITs, which you have 13% of your investments in. Well, we actually skipped over my second largest allocation, which are really boring, and that is annuities. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, I did, I, did, I did that on purpose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll just leave that to the side. Um, if you guys want to hear more about that, there's episode four with Stan the Annuity Man, but I have a pretty good chunk, 22% in annuities. I love them. I know a lot of people hate them, but I love them. So we'll go on to the more fun stuff. Roots. Johnny. So, what do you say about REITs, my man? All I have are the e-REITs with Fundrise, and I would love to put more money in Fundrise, but they just don't want my money. <laughs> it's the same story every time. They just declared a 8% dividend on growth REIT for Q1, so we're getting payout for that in April. Yeah, so I, I, I love it. Um, I think the reason why I it's hard to put more money in is just because they're so – like I don't know. I, th- I think they have a huge wait list, and there's tons of customers – um, I don't know if our unique link still lets you skip the queue, but I know if when they set it up, if you go to investlikeaboss.com slash fundrise, it was supposed mm-hmm. to bring you closer to the front of the waiting list. So a lot of people have signed up through our link and have gotten in. But even then, they normally only let you put a thousand dollars at a time into, yeah. into these accounts versus, you know, people like me that, you know, they see these great returns. We're like, all right, let's, let's put 10 grand in. And they're like, nope, sorry, that's too much. <laughs> Well, they do have those REITs open. They're the regional REITs. I, I just can't talk about them because – or you and I can't talk about them because we, we haven't invested in them, right? So no, you and I, I are both I, in, in the growth I, and income ones. I have now. I have some money in the, the West Coast E-REIT. Oh, what's up, West Coast? West Coast. <laughs> and the reason so why how, I chose West yeah. Coast is because uh-huh. I'm from California. I know how amazing of a coast the West Coast is, maybe the best coast, <laughs> and that you know more and more people want to move out there. So – I put two grand in, um, you know, which isn't a ton of money, but it's fun to kind of see, see where that is. And I think that is still open. It's in the ramp up phase. So, um, and it's kind of a mixture between the income and the growth rate. I think it's like right, you know, kind of 50 50. So I think, it, you know, I'm kind of excited to be in it. Everyone from the West Coast is biased and thinks their coast is the best, but East Coast is where it's at, homie. But, uh, <laughs> it's cool. It's cool that you got into that. Um, I think you can. I think you can now invest in those more fully. Um, I'm still deciding if I'm going to do that, but overall, been yeah, I've been real happy with Fundrise. So, uh, look forward to the payday in April. Yeah. So you have a lot of money in reads, but it's not all. Most of it's not in Fundrise. Who do you have it through? I have. So I just calculated. I'm. Almost all of my income is through reads, but or between reads and my Hong Kong self storage units is the majority of my income. So I just calculate I'm, I'm generating over six figures a year between my REITs and the Hong Kong self-storage, which is awesome because that, that that more than supports my lifestyle. Um, the major positions I have in REITs are in the Maple Tree REITs, which are Singapore-based REITs. So I have their logistics and I have their industrial and they pay Right now, they're paying about a seven and a half percent. I think when I bought them, they're paying a, a little bit more, like around eight uh, percent. And it's awesome. I, I like the way they operate because it actually has 
it has an account manager that I have in Singapore. So every quarter they email me like a personal email says, hi, uh, Maple Trees just declared dividends. Do you want us to issue to uh, issue cash or issue more shares? So every quarter it's like a decision to make. Do I want shares or do I want cash? And if the share price is really low, I'll take shares. And if the share price is high, I'll take cash. Um, but it's cool because it's like, you know, it's a personal email from a manager just offering me something. Uh, and then I, after the Brett Owens episode on REITs, I picked up a bunch more REITs um, that have all done quite well since that episode. And and those are paying around 7 or 8%. So like, I'm, I'm a huge REIT fan. The only issue I have with them is... They're not, they're not tax efficient on an individual level. On a corporate level, they are, which is why they oftentimes pay, you know, these, these high yields of seven, eight, nine. I think I'm getting upwards of 9% of my senior housing properties, uh, REITs. But for me as an individual, it's ordinary income. So that kind of sucks. But in a sense, I think it's worth it just because the yields are so high. Okay. Yeah. I like that. And that's amazing that your REITs are paying for your entire lifestyle. And I think that's something that we, we're going to dive more into in our retirement episode and how mm-hmm. much money we we actually make kind of passively through our investments and things like that to be able to keep, continue living, uh, how long that'll last us. Um, but I think these are kind of questions that people might kind of just add into the Boss Lounge for, for that episode. Um, but that's, that's awesome to hear because I actually, honestly, I had no idea. I, I was kind of just thinking maybe you're just living off of uh, your savings and letting your net worth <laughs> decline which wouldn't be a good thing well it's all, all part of the podcast my man all part of the podcast we're make, making moves in the right direction yeah i love that so um up next you have also oh, so for yeah so for reads i only have a couple grand in there right now um the only reason why i'm not putting more money into fundrise right now with like the west coast reed for example is it's like you're locked in for like about five years or so and mm-hmm. i I think I'm okay with being locked in with Fundrise, but I has you know I I was burned so badly from Lending Club, and I'm still uh, stuck with them. And now I just don't want to put money in anything that's locked up for you know any amount of time over let's say a year. Um, mm-hmm. You know, which is why I like Fundrise so much is all of my investments with them are you know a year, like exactly a year. And and if anything, the bad thing about them is. They, those loans always get paid back early. So I always have to find new loans, which is a bit annoying. Yeah. But with, um, yeah, with, with Fundrise, I'm just scared that the US is going to go into recession, that the property value is going to drop, and then I'm going to be locked in for five years. And it's not a big deal because if you, if it does drop, what you want to do is you want to hold on to it anyways <laughs> for it to go back up. So maybe mm-hmm. that's a good thing. Um, but, it's I, I like I think it's just by principle. It's like I don't I don't want to get into anything where it's a five year commitment. I think you're in a good position because you can weather storms. But also remember with Fundrise, one good thing is that you can <clears throat> you can get out of it. Um, and it's not when you get out of it. I guess all your answers would be que- uh, all your questions would be answered. But it's supposed to be whatever the the net present value of the property or the assets is. You can get out of that. Uh, at at uh, par value, and then they take like a one percent penalty. But if you're making eight percent a year and you get charged a one percent penalty, it's like it's not that big of a deal. Assuming that the assets 
that are in the fund have not declined in value, which is your concern. Like if we, if we hit a big de- depression and you, and you need to get out for some reason, you don't want to take a hit, but your money's not locked up for five years because you can redeem them every quarter if you want to get out. So there is that little bit. It's much better than lending club in that sense. Yeah. Okay. That's a, that's a good thing. And I, and I know you can sell lending club, uh, on a secondary market. I haven't even looked at it to be honest, but I just assume it's going to be, it's going to be crap. So I, yeah. you know, I'm kind of just, Letting that ride out. Um, I haven't reinvested any of my cash in Lending Club. So with my Lending Club account, it's in total right now. I have I started with five thousand dollars, and now my adjusted account value is five thousand three hundred ninety-two dollars. And what that means is, in cash, I have two thousand five hundred thirty-six, and I could just withdraw that now. But the reason why I'm leaving it in there is I just want to be able to see if my total account value ever drops below five thousand. Because if it does, then that means I lost money with Lending Club. Right now, it yeah. just means my you know actual return is pretty crap. Uh, right now, it's calculated at four point one eight percent, and I'm just gonna leave it. You know, it's, it's this is kind of a, a lesson learned, uh, but it was also a nice introduction to peer to peer lending or you know alternative strategies of where to put our money. So you know, it's it's not a huge deal. Yeah, fortunately, we don't have too many things on this podcast yet that we have to to really dog and kind of open up the can of worms on. But lending club, my account has been absolutely p- pitiful. I, d- I did all safe loans, A and Bs. And every single month of this year, my the write-offs have either met or exceeded my interest earnings. So it's, it's, it's totally broken or break even on the year. It's, it, it's, it's really frustrating to look at because I'm looking at all these quote unquote high high quality loans uh getting written off and as of right now my return on two thousand seventeen is zero. Uh so very, very frustrating. But like you said, it is what it is. It's a learning experience. I wouldn't do it again, but I'm glad I, I tried it and we'll just wait and see where it ends up. But we'll we'll definitely keep everybody updated. Um it's one of it's not my favorite thing to talk about, but it's definitely interesting. Yeah, and I think people appreciate the fact that, you know, not everything's up for us and that, you know, yeah. we have our mistakes as well. Um, and I think this podcast is going to be really interesting the next time we go into recession or, you know, the, it, we go into a bear market because right now, like, it's, it's pretty easy to invest in almost anything and, and make some money from it. Uh, this is why we, we're going to do quarterly updates, whether we are up or down, because I think that's actually, people are probably going to learn more, uh, when it is down and, and what we do then if we're, you know, smart enough to, to hold, uh, or to buy when it's low or if we panic and we start freaking out. Yeah, for sure. Yo, let's talk about a fun, interesting one that has continued to be a winner for both of us and was actually, I wouldn't say it's the kickoff of this podcast, but it was our third episode, Art of FX. Oh, yeah. That was a exciting one. If you guys haven't listened to the episode, it is, it, I, I would say it's one of our kind of most fun episodes. It's the, it's the one we definitely got the most drunk on and made the most kind of uh, <laughs> like brash decisions on. Yeah, we need to bring the bring these episodes back because I feel like that's a little bit more closer to our chest of, of uh or <laughs> how how we originally wanted the format of the podcast and now it's it's got a lot more straight laced, but uh there's always a time and place for those. However, Art of FX continues to impress and amaze me. Dude, it's it's killing it. My account my account since I've had it in two and a half years, almost doubled. That's um, insane. They basically have bought me a Maserati at this point. Um, wow. 
I'm not I'm not going to count the chickens before they hatch, but it's looking it's looking very good. So I mean I'm curious like when are you actually going to I guess hatch your chickens? <laughs> um, well, since you put it like that, Johnny, I think I think I'm just going to keep letting it ride. I mean, and you know, here's the thing: if if it was if I felt like I, this is one of these accounts that we always put in the high risk column, and it continues to be stable and moving in the right direction weekly, monthly, yearly. Um, but it's just like one of those things that we don't really understand deeply. We're not Forex traders. We've never made a Forex trade in our life. Um, so I think, you know, it keeps going like this. Um, I'm probably going to stick with it through 2017 and then reevaluate it. Maybe I'll take a little bit of money off the table, but I don't know, man. It's, <laughs> it looks really good right now. I'm looking at the chart. Are you? Yeah. So I just uh, logged into mine and I started with 10 grand in the was June 2016. So that was our, our third episode ever of this podcast. Mm-hmm. And it is up 35.95% right now. So I've made, you know, $3,500 in profit, uh, in what is it less than a year now? Which, which is yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So my account's up basically 70%. Um, I think I had the account for a year before you. And so it's been, a, it's basically been going up 30% a year. And then the, so this quarter, just make sure the R's are in line. Um, year to date, my account's up 6.95%. How about yours? Uh, 6.95%. Yes. So hopefully yeah. we're in the same, like in the same category. So, so that's awesome. Yeah. So that's 7% on the quarter, which would put it at about 28% on the year, which is consistent with the, the last two years. So, um, wow. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been awesome. Um, so they actually, I know if some people on Boss Lounge have also opened accounts with them. If they have, get in Boss Lounge, chat it up. Let's know where your account is, how it's been performing, what you've seen. I know the guys over at uh, Art of FX, Brian and Tang, they just started allowing, they used to only allow $10,000 minimum. They just dropped it to 5000 So if you're interested in trying that out, go to, I believe it's their website, forward slash iLab for invest like a boss. We'll leave a link in the show notes. Tell them that we yeah. sent you and uh, and chat it up in the lounge. Let us know how it's going. Or even easier, you can just go to investlikeaboss.com slash art of FX. And that way you can get in kind of on this on this special deal for, for everyone. Uh, but remember, this is, I would say for sure, our riskiest investment. So don't like, you know, put your house in there. Uh, this is <laughs> what, what, like, what percentage of your net worth is in there. It's like, it's, it's a very small percent, right? 3%. Um, I'm just or, looking no, for, right no. now. Uh, charts. for me, it's, it's like, 3%. Okay. Yeah. So mine's about the same. I'll say 3%. Okay. So this is kind of money that I honestly, like when I invested with them, I was like, you know what? Let's see what happens. <laughs> like, this is one of those kind of fun things that I was willing to have that go to zero. If that was the case, um, you know, but, or, be able to walk, you know, walk away with double, hopefully someday. You just really wanted the nights out in Bangkok, be honest, Johnny. Yeah. And, and that was fun. Um, and you know, I mean, to be honest, it was like, if I didn't meet Brian in person, you know, if we didn't sit down for that interview, I didn't see how, how hard he works. I wouldn't have ever invested in, in Forex training just because it's, you know, it's such a complicated thing. Uh, I'm investing more in, in them and their work, work ethic, uh, and their hard work than, than anything else. Yeah. Ditto that. Yeah. So, 
Uh, shout out to Brian and Tang. Thank you for making us so much money. Um, I think my plan with it is to hold it for, you know, the full, I think, I, I don't remember how, how long, what, what it was, but it was like a full two years or three years or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And then take out my original 10 grand and then let that money ride for, you know, basically forever. <laughs> bet, bet you don't do it. I bet you leave the whole amount in. We'll see. <laughs> and also they they have a very good i don't know if you read their they send out a weekly newsletter now it's really insightful it's it's kind of about the broader markets but it it it's much more in you know involved in around forex trading which i don't know anything about but i read kind of the broader market synopsis which is really well written and then as soon as it gets into like the the, the forex exchange pairings i just i pitch it off but if you guys are interested in that you can uh, just jump on their their newsletter and mailing list and kind of stay tuned in what they're doing and and their um, insights. Yeah, definitely. So that's a, that's a fun one. Uh, what else do we have that's that's fun on our our list? I'm just looking at our asset allocations. Uh, I mean, we have fun ones, um, um, but they're kind of grouped into these other things. Um, I have a couple of other updates. I'll just just include everybody on. So Hong Kong, my Hong Kong storage units. Kevin Shea, we uh, we did two premises together. So we have about a total of 300 self storage units in Hong Kong. So finally, they're at about 85% occupancy. And this has been kind of cool because since we started this podcast, right when we started, I was making all these new investments that took kind of time to start cash flowing, right? Um, so the self storage units, you know, it took six months to build and then every month has been creeping up the the occupancy rate. So now they're at like 85%. So they're actually profitable and starting to cash flow. So that's cool. Uh, Black Hops, the microbrewery that I invested in in, in uh, Australia with Dan Norris, that's starting to do really well. So it's just profitable now, uh, which is pretty cool because they sent out an update and said, hey, we had our first profitable quarter. We need to make a decision to either distribute to all the shareholders or reinvest in the company. We decided to reinvest in the company. But it's nice now that it's like it's gotten to that point where there's that option instead of it just being sunk cost and cost going into capital to build it out and stuff. Uh, and then my properties in Thailand have w- one of them in Phuket just finished. So that's now starting to get rented. So things are starting to get over that kind of build phase for me and, and starting to cash flow, which is pretty cool. But yeah, other than that's that, awesome. we hit on the big ones. Yeah. Did, How about on your you, side? Have you actually seen your property in Phuket? <laughs> Dude, I did. And it was guaranteed a sea view. So I bought it on the fifth floor. It was guaranteed a sea view. And when I went there, I'm telling you, if you were six foot six and on high heels – you might be able to see like a quarter inch of the horizon of the ocean because you have to look over this other building. Oh my so god! So I can't, I can't see anything. Um, but technically, it is a sea view because if you like, t- if you were looking from the ceiling, you could see the ocean, but you can't see it. any normal person can't see. So I had a big dispute with them, and of course, it goes absolutely nowhere because it's in Thailand. Um, and then the worst thing was it was supposed to start running last May. And they didn't get their act together. So, and I didn't have anything like guaranteed and I had already committed it to the rental pool. Long story short, because it's, it's basically a hotel that's being rented out as, uh, like you own the units, but it's, it's sort of like a hotel. So you own a hotel room. And I looked on a Goda and booking.com and the, the building's got a 7.2 review score. Oh no. Why? Like, which, it, which is ter- terrible, right? 
Yeah, that's terrible. Why is that though? Why is it so low? Um, they only had three reviews, so I think those those companies like Booking.com and Agoda will give you some leniency until you get up to like 20 or 30 year reviews. I think they'll let them remove some reviews, but it's just not being well managed. I mean, there's, it's, you know, they just don't have their act together. So, um, we'll see what happens next year. It's, it's going into, it it just got done with high season. So I hope to get a report on, on how it actually rented. Uh, but what was really cool was the other unit that I bought down there. I learned from it from the first one and Dude, this is this is pretty next level stuff. I mean, I couldn't believe that it was in Thailand, but it was. So you go into the sales office and it, it wasn't a VR set, but they take you into a room and they have like three flat screen TVs kind of side by side by side. And you click. So this is like a 300 unit uh, project that they're putting up. And it's it's supposed to, it's called Himalaya Oceanfront. And every one of them is supposed to have some type of ocean view. And they you pick on the unit that you want, let's say like... 365b and the screens in front of you pop up uh, a 3d illustration of what that sea view is supposed to look like and then it's contractually guaranteed that from when you walk onto your balcony that you see that exact view and if you if not then you get your money back plus interest wow so that's like, okay, crazy this, yeah this is next level because you it would take an experience like mine where you actually get screwed out of an ocean view where you pay like an extra say like twenty thousand dollars to get that ocean view to realize how important it is to actually have that. And especially in a, a place like, you know, Thailand where everything's a little bit looser. So, um, so I was super excited to see that. And when I saw that and I'm like, dude, this is, this gives you so much more reassurance to buy. Right. Yeah. I, I love that. And I'm glad technology is, you know, taking a, a, a big part in, in things like you know, real estate decisions because it's, I, and I really think that more and more, I mean, it's, Things are going to be bought online. Like I don't understand why people aren't aren't just buying houses online now. You know when you have things like three sixty tours, um, and it's it's almost kind of like almost easier and clearer to just be able to buy a property, especially investment property online, than it would be to just you know drive around, shop around. Yeah, VR is going to. This is where VR I think is going to be really cool. I don't I don't really buy VR as like this disrupting um, like animation so much, but I think in terms of of these real life settings where you could, you could VR into a rendering of, you know, a, a new condo that's going up and stuff. I feel like that application is going to be super powerful and it's really almost already here. Yeah. I love that. So while you're t- t- telling me about your real estate investments, I logged into Pierce street and just bought, put another two grand into a, um, into an investment <laughs> And just because nice. I, I, I realized I, I haven't done that in a while. And this one was only for 7.5% APR, which is why it didn't automatically invest into it. But I figured it's only for eight months. Um, you know, and I kind of want less cash because right now, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's a bit silly that I have, you know, 40% of my net worth in, in cash. Yeah. So that was money that was sitting in your Pure Street account that you just decided to reinvest. Uh, no, I, I think I only had 500 bucks in my personal account, but I, I just put another five grand in, uh, to be able to reinvest. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. 7.5% is still awesome, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like if, if, you just can, like- if, if I can get, if I can get 7.5% off of the, the, you know, 200 grand in my account, that'd be fucking amazing. I know, dude, it's awesome. I mean, the thing is, is like when we both started these accounts, some of the the deals that we were doing were like 10, 11%. So now all of a sudden 7.5%, we're like, 
Oh, man, it's only 7.5%. Eh, just wait for a better deal. But in reality, it's awesome. So, yeah. Um, yeah especially because it's... I'm, Especially because it's, you know, real estate backed. So even if, um, I, I think that loan to value ratio for that was only like 65% or something. So, you know, unless somehow the property, you know, drops in value more than 35%, then, you know, I'm pretty secure. Ooh. Is that the, is that the Concord CA house? Concord CA house. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm coming in with you, buddy. I'm coming right. in for 2K. Yeah. I like that. So one place that I do have money sitting that I didn't actually realize is my Vanguard account. That it looks like I have 192 grand in my Vanguard account, uh, and I wish all of that was in index funds. But it looks like I have 44 grand, 45 thousand dollars in Vanguard Prime Money Market Fund, which Ooh. I think is just like a like a holding place. Cash. It's yeah, basically just cash. cash, right? And that sucks. That that money should have been in VTI, which was growing like crazy this last year. But I think the reason why it was there is I transferred a ton of money in there to you know basically dollar cost average into it, and uh-huh. maybe that was a mistake. Maybe you know in our I think it was our it was it which episode did we have about the mindset? Um, the guy from from Betterment, Dan Egan. Yeah, Dan I was Egan. just gonna. I was just going to put you up on the spot and say, what do you do, Johnny? Because you have two school of thoughts, right? You have Dan Egan from Betterment, which uh, I would say of this last quarter, I mean, we've had some awesome guests on, but there was, there were some definitely big takeaways from the Dan Egan episode that stuck with me. And I would say, you know, his philosophy was the only, the only market timing he buys into is total market timing, right? Yeah, total time in the market. And that was episode mm-hmm. 45, if you guys haven't heard that yet. And it's, and, and I mean, I wish I would have listened to that episode a year ago and listened to his advice and took action on it because my account would be worth quite a bit more if I had actually invested all that money. However, you have the other sides, right? You have Phil Canella, you have Harry Dent that we've had on the episode. And we just had uh, one of our previous guests, Chris O'Donnell, email us talking about how he thinks the market is headed for a big league crash. So that's three, you know, very smart people that are saying it's coming. Uh, and it's, you know, everyone's basically saying, okay, maybe it's the French election that's coming up in April and May, or maybe it is Greece when they have this massive EU debt repayment coming up in July. So there's, there's some definite big events that could disrupt the markets. So, Johnny, what would you say you would do right now? You have that 44K in Vanguard. Do you invest it now and take the Dan Egan approach, total time in the market? Or do you say, maybe I'll wait and see uh, for some disruption and a good buying opportunity? I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a mixture of both. And I'm going to up my my monthly... Um, I guess my monthly investment right now, I'm putting three grand a month in to dollar cost average. I think I'm going to double that to six grand. And that way I'm kind of, you know, in between the two where I'm putting, I am putting more money in to try to, you know, bring that 44 grand down faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also not just jumping straight in just in case it does drop in the next couple of months. Like it. Well, so you're playing, so you're going to, you're going to take both then. Yeah, the both both approach. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I am really interested to see see what happens through the summer. Like I, I'm not doing anything different, but I think there I think there's there's gonna be some big shakeups. But I'm not gonna do anything different. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna wait it through no matter what. Yep, I like that. So 
it's it's exciting. I mean, it, I mean, you you have a little bit of money in in other things like gold medals and cryptocurrencies or kind of other things, but I think I think we kind of covered the the, the big things. Um, yeah, you that have, was fun yeah. to put together. Yeah, that was fun. And and again, like all the boss listeners, you know, would be really fun is if everyone. This is a really simple input. We just put it into Excel sheet, two columns the categories and how like the monetary amount and it spit it out in, in percentage values. So we'd love to get more people's asset allocations. It'd be good to compare people that are kind of new to investing and some people that have been investing for a long time. So if you've done it, email it to us or throw it up in boss lounge. We'd love to share it with more people. Yeah, definitely. I think that'd be a great thread in boss lounge. And if anything, maybe it's, let's add another category. Instead of having stocks, bonds, and funds in one, we should have individual stocks, and then we should have index mm-hmm. funds as two separate categories, so just con- so people can kind of see the, the the difference. Yeah. Speaking of individual stocks, so you said you own Facebook, but didn't didn't you own Tesla at one point? No, I never did. I I, I remember when when we bought our Model Threes, I was going to put money in Tesla. <laughs> And even though I believe in the company, I want to support them, and I and I really think that they are going to take over the world and you know do great things. I've just decided after Facebook that I'm no longer going to buy individual stocks because I know it's a gamble. Uh, I was tempted to buy Snapchat stocks as well, but I'm I'm just not going to do it. I'm just never I'm never going to buy individual stocks again. <laughs> well, I I could probably say that I believe in Elon Musk as a. Uh as a a business person more so than Snapchat's owner founder. Although I don't know that much about Snapchat's owner founder, but I do believe in Elon Musk. So that, that is my one stock that I own. You own Facebook. I own Tesla. Uh, but Tesla has also been on a tear since we bought the model three. Um, so that's been, I think that's up about 30% or 40% or so. So that's been a good one. And I'm either keeping that until it goes to, a thousand or bust. That's my uh, that's my just little holding lottery ticket of such. Okay, and I think I guess the same with me and and Facebook. I don't plan on selling any anytime soon. I think the only time I'll sell is the day I personally stop using Facebook is the day I will I will sell Facebook. Okay, that that's good. That's a good strategy, and that that day may not be too far off in the future. You never know. <laughs> Yeah, so who knows? Um, did you want to quickly talk about your your personal business interests? Okay, yeah. For me, um, coworker.com has been the big one. That's been a, a massive grind, a lot of fun. Uh, I have a great co-founder and we're, we're kind of taking the moonshot approach on that. So that is, you know, that's kind of my full-time work right now. And then managing all these investments, unfortunately... It's fun running the podcast, but managing the investments is just a lot of admin. Uh, so right now, it's I have like forty financial accounts. So I'm trying to I'm trying to consolidate a few of those. Um, but a lot of the stuff that we're doing, John, is like wouldn't necessarily do it just for investing sake, but we're doing it for the learning experience, or at least that's that's how I started kind of a year ago, just doing a lot of these these uh, alternative investments and trying to figure things out by doing. So that's become a pretty you know, pretty large amount of work, but that's all getting consolidated. So yeah, man, coworker.com right now is, is my big grind along with this, this podcast, which is uh weekly and a lot of fun. Um, but that's, that's probably my next quarter ahead as well. How about your stuff? Well, first off, I want to give a big shout out and thank you to Leanne Beasley, who is the CEO and Sam's co-founder for coworker.com. Mm-hmm. She's an angel. She's like, she's amazing. She's 
she's been a blessing to to my life as well just because like yeah. she would go out of her way to kind of help me out with uh with other things like and it's and we ha- had her speak at the 2017 nomad summit so if you guys want to hear her talk just on youtube look for nomad summit and look at leanne beasley's talk uh but i'm doing the kind of the opposite approach from you uh i'm trying to have less stuff and trying to learn less <laughs> this year i think i've just mm-hmm. had you know four years of doing too much um you know not only trying to grow my own businesses but learning new things to be able to share it with other people and even though i enjoy it i'm, I'm a bit burnt out to be honest and that's why yeah taking this kind of early retirement i'm just focusing on my health again i'm, I'm in you know, I'm getting back in shape, but for for a while, especially after Europe, I was in such terrible shape. I was so inflexible as well. Uh, so I've been doing a lot of yoga. I've just been surfing. And to me, I'm just kind of just investing in my own kind of mental sanity again and and, and health. Uh, I just want to feel good in my body. And I think that is worth yeah. more than, than any investment I have out there. That's good to hear. And how does that go along with your financial goals because do you think you can reach your financial goals by taking this sort of step back approach i'm definitely uh kind of allowing myself to let my income drop these next couple months Uh, Mm -hmm. i would hope that a lot of my passive income will stay steady especially with kind of my online businesses but you know already i've given up about two grand a month in an income from my dropshipping store by selling it, but I'm reinvesting all that money into things like Pure Street or index funds. So hopefully that'll kind of make up for some of it. Uh, and with my other kind of businesses, I'm just going to, I'm just taking a step back from trying to grow my, like, for example, my affiliate income and just kind of letting it coast for a while and using that extra time and kind of mental energy to just focus on myself. Um, mm-hmm. So on one hand, it's gonna. It's not good for my financial goals if I want to try to be a millionaire by. I don't remember what what year I said it was, uh, but this year was it this, <laughs> this did year? I, did I say this year? <laughs> I, I pretty, maybe I did say end of the year. So <laughs> I might be taking that back because I think uh, I want to feel like a millionaire. I want to feel like a million bucks in my body. I want to be able to wake up and be able to you know squat properly and touch my toes and uh just feel like i just want to feel good i want to feel like a million bucks and i think that to me is right now is more important than actually having a million bucks because i know for a fact my life would not change at all if i had more money yeah man there's something to be said for that i'm I, i because of all the travel that we're doing and the different types of lifestyles that we're living we get to you know we're fortunate to be able to experience a lot of different ways of going about life and right now I'm, so I, I just did a, a month skiing in Tahoe, which was amazing. Um, and now I'm in South Carolina, like I said, and it's, it's just me, my girlfriend, my dad, there's literally like no one else around except for a couple of neighbors. We hardly ever leave the house. We just cook, we drink wine and we work. We have a ping pong table here. And like this for me is, it's amazing. This is an awesome lifestyle. Like I don't need to do all this crazy luxurious stuff. Just need to, you know, a couple of good friends, some family, some kind of some wholesome fun. I, I think values and, and uh, interests change a little bit over time, but, but you know, you could live this lifestyle easily on, you know, t- $2,000, $2,500 a month. Uh, Shang Mai, where you and I spend a lot of time, Johnny, you can live very well for $2,500 a month. So it does put certain financial goals in perspective. Um, of course, it's, it's nice to continue building and to create and to produce and reach those next, next benchmarks. But when you realize that you can live, you know, a really nice lifestyle or maybe even a preferred lifestyle off 
less, it, uh, it, it puts some, some goals out there in a uh, better perspective. Yeah. And that's exactly what Tim Ferriss talked about in the four hour work week is most people don't really care about having a million dollars in the bank. They care about being able to, to live like they had a million dollars in their bank. And for a lot of people, mm-hmm. it's being able to, you know, live in a lake house and just play golf all day or to live in, you know, a nice place like Thailand and just eat good food, enjoy the sun, or be in Bali and just surf all day. And and that's exactly, you know, what I've been doing. In, in Thailand, I was spending 1500 a month, and I was living mm-hmm. a really good life. Here, I'm spending about two grand, maybe a little bit more, just because I'm eating out really good food, you know, how, how many meals, 30, 21 meals a week. And yeah. I'm staying in a hotel a block from the beach, Walking down every morning, you know, down to the beach and, you know, with the, there's a puppy here actually. So I'm taking him for a walk every morning. Uh, then I go have a nice breakfast, open the laptop and just, you know, go on Facebook for a while or edit stupid videos of me scuba diving and traveling, maybe write blog post. And for the rest of the afternoon, I spend it on the beach surfing. So this is exactly what I would like to do. I mean, I, I think even if it doesn't matter how much money I had, I don't think I would do anything different. So. I'm already kind of living that millionaire life, you know, retiree lifestyle. So I'm, I'm happy with that. That's good to hear, man. And speaking of a million dollars, we had a really good critique actually and comment from Grayson Hudson. So I want to give him a shout out. Um, he was in the boss lounge. So the last episode with Bryce Leo, awesome episode. If you guys haven't heard it, check it out. Um, it's about Bryce and how he built his crush empire essentially from nothing, you know, he had nothing and, and he's built up a really successful and awesome business. Um, but I had made a comment in there about how, you know, traditional investment and financial advice is kind of always given to us. Maybe it's from our parents or from a financial advisor or someone in the industry that, okay, if you, if you save money for 40 years at 8% and put, you know, put money away each month, you'll become a millionaire. And I think what I've realized a lot through this podcast and talking to a lot of people and just through your and, and me, uh, your and my personal investing uh, quest, Johnny, is that, that that is somewhat impractical just because things happen in life. Uh, and a, a lot of things that we might not be anticipating now are sure to happen in our 40s or 50s that we may need money for, right? So my comment was basically like that that's just not that's not practical advice because things come up in life and you also have to take taxes out of that and stuff. But he came in and I'll, I'll just read you his comment because I thought it was well said. So here's the scenario. The medium household income in 2015 was $56,000. If you plug that into a financial calculator that you would earn the amount and contribute 15% to a retirement account for 30 years with an 8% rate of return, which uh, which are all reasonable assumptions. At the end of that 30 years, you would have over $1 million, making you a millionaire. Extend that to 40 years, as you mentioned, with a realistic uh, invest age 25 to 65, then you would then that figure becomes $1.5 million. So I thought that was well said. And that's kind of traditional investment advice. What do you think about that, Johnny? What do you think about that strategy of investing you know, in that type of manner for, say, 30 years? So I, I think this is something that we can talk a little bit more about on, on our retirement episode, the early retirement mm-hmm. episode, because I think there's only two ways to, to retire early. One is to save up, you know, 75% of your, your income, you know, whether, you know, it doesn't matter how much you're making, even if you're making 50 grand a year, um, if you could save 75% of that by living very frugally, very cheaply and just reinvesting that money, you can definitely retire early and you can definitely become a millionaire over time with compound interest. Compound interest is, is, is such a powerful thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
for most people, it is really hard to to save seventy five percent of your income if you are making you know two or three grand a month. Um, so the kind of almost easier way, and I don't think there is an easy way, but the you know the other way to do it, and the way that we've done it, is to invest in ourselves and try to get those three hundred x returns, uh, like Bryce Leo has, and then mm-hmm. make a ton. You know, basically make more money than you can spend, and just you know save. 10, 20 grand a month into savings. And that adds up really quick to be able to get to, you know, to a million dollars or to, to earn a retirement. Yeah. I would say there's, there's definitely the financial model that supports working, saving, earning at 8% and becoming a millionaire. It's absolutely there. And if you, if you can do it and stick to it, then you'll get there in all likelihood if you don't die before, of course, or something tragic happens, God forbid. Um, so it's just a matter of strategy, right? You want to go all in and take a much more risk and try to do it early, try to make that type of money in five years, in three years, in 10 years, or do you want to play it safer and go for, you know, a, probably a more sure thing, but take a longer strategy and, and almost kind of lock yourself into a lifestyle, which is, work for a job, make a certain amount of money and, uh, and put money away each month. So it's personal decisions that you have to make. It's, it's not a one size fit all strategy. So I thought that was uh, a good comment and a good discussion in the lounge. Yeah, definitely. So if you guys haven't joined the boss lounge, please, please, please do so. You know, just go to, just go to investlikeaboss.com, click on bonus and there'll be a way to sign up there. Uh, or just subscribe to our email list. Um, I want to, I mean, a- anything else you want to talk about before we kind of wrap up this episode? Real quick, any new books you read this quarter or any new books that you're reading for Q2? So the kind of the book that I've been trying to finish uh, is Russell Bronson's Dotcom Millionaire. And that is the way I know 100% if I actually take the time to implement everything he says in there, that I can grow my my personal blog or my business blog into a Big, you know, income kind of producing asset, um, especially with my core earnest affiliate, which I haven't really been promoting at all. Um, and I think that is the next project that I would work on once I actually decide to get back to work. Uh, because I do think I'm leaving a lot of money on, on the table. Um, with that, uh, what about you? What have you been reading? Uh, I got through three books and I'm reading a fourth. So I got through 10x rule, which was your recommendation. Thought it was a great book. I think all these books uh, in that kind of category, it totally depends on when you read them in life. Like if I read The Secret now, it probably wouldn't have much of an impact on me. But when I read it when I was 20, it kind of changed the way I look at the world. Same with Rich Dad, Poor Dad. When I read it when I was 19, had a massive impact on me. If I read it now, it might, might not be as impactful. So 10X Rule is kind of one of those books where I thought it was a great book. I think it's a definite read for you know, for people who are kind of getting started on their quest. Um, but for me right now, it was a little bit too much hoorah. Um, the other book I read was, this could be a bit controversial to some people. It's called Attacks. It was by a guy named Erwin, Erwin Rommel, who was a desert fox. He was a German World War One lieutenant and a World War II field marshal. But this was all about him in World War One. It is insane, man. When you think about and read what they went through on a day-to-day basis, so like sleeping one hour a day, having bombs blow up all side. He got shot three times like in the course of a couple months. It's just crazy and it, it puts life in perspective and makes you realize how fortunate we are to be living in relative times of peace. Um, and then the other book that I got through was The Sale of a Lifetime by Harry Dent. Awesome book. Definite must read. 
Very cool. And now that I have more free time, I'm definitely going to be reading more, uh, more for probably more for, for like kind of leisure and, and just for pleasure. Um, but if you guys want, uh, to buy some books on Amazon, guess what? We're giving away a $25 gift card each and every month for someone who leaves a review and just sends us a screenshot of uh, your review so we can, we know who you are. Uh, this month's winner is Enrique Grivlava. Cannot pronounce your name, but, uh, they posted under Rocksteady and Bebop from New York City. Uh, big thank you for leaving that review. And also, we got a ton of new reviews th- th- this month. I-, I don't know if you've logged in this week, but just three new five star reviews just this week, Sam. That's awesome. Appreciate it, guys. Keep them coming in and make sure you also subscribe to the podcast and get all the newest ones right to your device. Definitely. So, uh, I just want to give a quick acknowledgement and shout out to, Squid Barbecue from the US. Uh, one of the most informative podcasts out there. This podcast provides a wealth, pun intended, of information to help direct yourself towards financial independence. As I listen to more and more episodes, it becomes readily apparent that all these successful people have very similar fundamentals. I'm learning a lot and putting these investment fundamentals to work. Thanks, Sam and Johnny. Thanks, Squid Barbecue. <laughs> Great name, by the way. Yeah, I love these names. All right. And I also want to give a big thank you to the sponsor for this episode, SaneBox. If you still have hundreds or thousands of emails in your inbox, you are basically, you know, having mental space, just not be able to let you focus on what's actually important. So get to inbox zero. SaneBox can help. Go to sanebox.com slash invest like a boss. And That is it. So I'll see all of you guys next week. And I hope everyone is doing well with your investments. Peace out. Thanks for listening to the Best Like a Boss podcast. Join our mailing list at investlikeaboss.com to get exclusive access to our insider investment portfolios and our private members forum. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends and leave us a review in the iTunes store. It helps more than you know. See you guys next week.